God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Well, welcome back to another episode of I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. And I'd like to lead off by, first of all, saying thank you to some patrons. And we got a couple emails. So let's say thank you to our patrons, because that shit's important. Ken Smith, thank you. Lonnie Trevino Jr., thank you. And Jared Saucita has joined the Patreon train. So, oh, yeah, Saucito. Yeah, that guy. I see that guy on my Monday night live streams. He's great. Well, he, here's an email from Michael Azevedo. And you can write in bobandclint at gmail.com. We will read the email on the show to tens of thousands of people if we want to. It, it's, it, could be, it could be billions, actually. By the, time you're, by the time we read your email, it could be billions. Sure. Because there are billions of people on the earth. This is Michael Azevedo, who says, keeping it tight. That's the subject. <sighs> And he Dude, just already that email is so tight. He says, gents, many thanks for being a twice weekly oasis. He says, not the suck ass band of wit, weirdness and wonder. I've been preaching the gospel of Bob for over a decade now to all who would listen, really missing the few visits you'd make to chilly New England each year. Alas, they say patience is a virtue. He says, Clint, you provide the perfect counterbalance to be schnids, kite meets string, and your guitar work is stupid good. Got a show recommendation. Have either of you watched The Leftovers on HBO? Been off the air for a few years now, but would provide lots of fodder for your ponderings. Not an easy watch, especially at first, but well worth it. Thanks again for serving up that special sauce, Michael. Thanks, Mike. I watched, uh, or Michael. There we are people. Casual. Dude, if you want to get casual with Michael and get hit it straight at the mic, here's no the, problem. I know, but it's like Lara or Lara and Lara. Like, some people are particular. Like, if he signed it Michael, he wants us to say Michael. He doesn't want Mike. It's Michael. I get it. Uh, I watched the first few episodes of Leftovers. For whatever reason, I had a hard time with the star of the show. I don't know why. Justin Thoreau? I don't know if that guy is... Is he English, maybe? Like, no. sometimes when somebody's, like, a like Australian or English and they're doing an American accent, it it, like... There's something about that that throws off a part of my brain where I feel agitated or uneasy. There's something about him that I have a hard time watching. It's not that he's a bad actor. He, he seems to be a good actor. And, you know, I don't know who he is or anything, but I don't know. Just something about it. It was hard for me to watch. I don't know why. I, re- I like him in Mulholland Drive. He plays the, the director that they're trying to tell him, like, you're going to cast this person. And he's like the artsy director right. with a cane. Right. And he comes home and his wife is sleeping with Billy Ray Cyrus. Uh, he's also pretty good in American Psycho, playing one of those kind of Wall Street coked out, you know, dickheads who's friends with Patrick Bateman. Um, I tried to watch it also. Didn't like it. I couldn't really get into it, although I liked how creepy it was. But yeah, some shows just take and some don't. We got another email about shows. Let me read this one real quick. This one's from Jed. It says, can't buy a thrill. Hey, Bob and Clint, you guys somehow find time to absorb an astounding amount of pop culture. Are either of you starting to get frustrated seeing a million content choices when very often none seem truly compelling? I click up the Netflix menu regularly. The notion of watching any of the alternatives feel fundamentally unsatisfying. Yet often I click one anyway because at the time I can't bear the thought of being alone with my mind and not preoccupied by some sort of distraction. 
He also says, Bob, are you still meditating? And how's that going? Cheers, Jed. So let's answer that one first. You still doing the meditating? No, I haven't been. And I should start again. I I say I haven't. So when it was hot all summer, I was meditating actually in the pool, which I loved doing. As soon as it got cold, my pool got cold, I stopped doing the meditating. So it's been a few months, but... I started doing a little bit of it when I was walking, like walking meditation, which I find works, walking works. Uh, But I'm I'm telling you, I've been having a lot of anxiety lately um, in the last few weeks. uh, It's been pretty rough. And, uh, you know, I probably need to do do some more meditation. I I also stopped praying in the morning. I was praying in the mornings, which I find very helpful, even though it it does kind of feel like homeopathic medicine or like maybe like there's that part of my brain going, is this a placebo? Is this a sugar pill? Whatever, whatever it is, like when I was doing everything, praying, meditating, walking, uh, that seemed to help. And, and now I haven't been doing it. I haven't been doing all of it. And I've been also uh, having a lot of anxiety. So anyways, uh, I'm going to get back to doing all of that stuff and uh, see see if it helps. Um, as far as uh, Netflix, I, I find a good hack is going to Rotten Tomatoes. And you can just type in what are the best shows on Hulu? What are the best shows on Netflix? What are the best shows on HBO Max? If you have any of those streaming platforms and it'll give you a list of, you know, the highest rated shows. And what I do is lots of times a show will be really highly rated by critics, but then if it's not highly rated by the audience, it's, I'm, I'm not going to watch it. So it might get a hundred critics, but then a 72 audience i'm like uh, how good is that show really but if if you get the critics and the audience to go above 90 for the show it's gonna be good anyways i found my favorite maybe my favorite show of all time now uh call my agent which is a french show it's four seasons uh i think that's the number one show uh on what are the best shows on netflix on rotten tomatoes and i've i'm loving it i'm on season four it's so so good we just finished season one what do you think it's good it's pretty good I, I it's not like the greatest show ever but it's good it's fine it's fine well keep watching it i find me and my wife both are very hard critics when it comes to anything like that and what the thing that annoys us is where you'll be watching a show and then they'll just do something that's stupid or that just would never happen in real life and then you're like, oh, that's dumb. And this show just refuses to do that. Like it just stays compelling. And the characters are so lovable and likable. They're all flawed. They all have problems. But they're all, at the end of the day, sweet people. You know, they're just trying, they're, you know, they're, they're just you care about the characters and you grow to love them the more you get to know them. And so, I mean, I'm at season four. I love, I love these. Like when I see that opening thing, when they're walking towards the camera, I'm like, I love all those people, <laughs> which is what, which is what I like about the great British baking show. I love those people. Oh, man. Well, we've hit rotten tomatoes and we've hit the great British baking show. So 
we're already doing our greatest hits. Well, there's a reason I go I go back to those things because they're great and they work. Well, because you like them. That's all. You like them. You like the things that you like. I could talk to you for a long time about Pearl Jam, but I know that you don't like Pearl Jam, so it doesn't mean anything. So I think Call My Agent's a good show. It's a great show. Check it out. It's fun. But so is WandaVision. You know, I think saying WandaVision is an example of a bad show and Call My Agent's ex- example of a great show is like, that doesn't really get at the truth of any of that either. Call My Agent's good. Well, Everyone I'm tr- see it. We're having I, fun. I'm trying to get through WandaVision. Uh, I think I'm on episode five or six. I'm just going to mm-hmm. try to, I'm going to try to get through the whole season. And, right. uh, and, and I'm hoping that by the end of the season, I'll like it. But I, d- I, just, I don't think that's going to happen, <laughs> as I've told you before. Well, I'm going to try. I mean, what's it going to like? Literally, that show, it says it's a 30 minute show, but literally, there's 10 minutes of credits at the end of every show. It's the craziest thing. There's 10 minutes of credits at the end of every show. So it's really only 20 minute episodes. Well, what they start doing in a few episodes from where you're at is they start doing the kind of classic Marvel mid mid credits scene. So anyway, I don't want to talk about WandaVision. We got another email from John Powers. Hey, I John. Believe this, I believe this is the dude who writes in who's a comedian or was a comedian. Uh-oh. So he says, he he tells a story about people who sort of, a song may be about something, but you kind of have your own narrative about a song. And he says, do you guys have a certain song that people think of a certain way that you think of differently? Which I think is an interesting question. Like someone may hear you crash into me for whatever and and it may be their song with their girlfriend and not know that really that song's about kind of like a peeping tom pervert it's not really a great love song so is there a song that you have a relationship with just because because i believe and i'm curious what you think about this lyrics are important lyrics matter and as an artist you should think about the lyrics you're writing but as a listener understanding the lyrics i think is one of the last puzzle pieces that go into place people hear a song and the things about the song that are mysterious to them, they either respond to that or they don't. And you end up just putting your own pieces together to figure it out what it is for you. And then later you kind of will be like, oh, this is what the artist meant. Do you do that? Well, I think we all personalize everything with our own experience. So you... Exactly. You uh, you know, what you, what you are first and foremost when it comes to music is you're this musician you know a lot about chord structure about playing guitar about music theory about composition about arrangement you know a lot of you have a lot of information so i think for you that stuff because it's how you part of who you are as a person part of who you view yourself as is this accomplished creative musician uh, technical guitar player person. So yeah, but but uh, but I think you'll agree with this. the 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 foundation for how I respond to music was set when I was a kid. Before I did that, okay, so, sure, for sure. So there are these occasions because you're right. A lot of times I'm hearing like, oh, that's a G and an E minor, and like, oh, that's a what did they the producer did the producer use this kind of compressor to get that kind of vocal sound? But then there are times when. I won't I won't have any of those antenna up and I'll just hear a song and it's almost like when I heard a song when I was a kid where I just either like it or don't like it either stirs something and I right. don't even know what's going on. It's like when you heard author and Punisher, you're like any anything you knew about how to make music is irrelevant with him because he creates his own instruments out of like 
machinery. Sure. And you can't understand what he's saying. So you're just having like a pure visceral response to whatever noises he's making. Right. And I think the music that you hear as a kid, you're you're not dissecting it. I mean, my six-year-old uh, daughter, she just turned six. She listens to something. She's not like, mm, are these lyrics right. good or are they throw? You know, she, and you're just like, do I like this? That's all it is. And and most of the time when you're a kid, you like everything. Like I'll ask her, how is that Trolls movie? Liked it. How is Smurfs? Liked it. Smurfs was a pure piece of shit. Trolls actually wasn't bad. But she can't tell the diff. She watches what's one she watches the fucking descendants. Horrible. Fucking Aladdin. Horrible. Like so horrible. But people It grows on you though. It grows on you. Sure. That Aladdin grows on you. The new one? The new one. It grows oh, on you, dude. It's so horrible. But after you've seen it about 10 times, it grows on you. I like any movie with Will Smith. He's I, one of those dude, guys. Dude, he's so likable. He's just the greatest. He's, he's just, so likable. But but here's the deal. People, and I'm talking about adults now, but, it, but Scarlet's vibe is tied into that. It's this primitive childlike thing where, man, people aren't scrutinizing the lyrics. Maybe they are if it's a Bob Dylan song, you know, or a fucking Nick Cave song or something. But the songs that you hear on the radio... They come across and they wash over you in total. And every once in a while, a certain phrase will pop out that you're like, oh, I, and you and you do exactly what you said. You you project and glom on your own experience onto it. And in that way, it can mean whatever the fuck it needs to mean. It doesn't matter. Well, at this point in my life, and I would say any point past the time I was about 18, everything before 18, yes. I just listened to it. If I liked it, I liked it. If I didn't, I didn't. I didn't really, you know, worry about it. But from the time I was probably 18, which is probably around the time I started writing songs, from that point on, it was all about the lyrics. Like, if the lyrics were great, I was in. And if the lyrics sucked, I'm not listening to it. Like, I never listened to Led Zeppelin because the lyrics are just throwaway. And then I was watching a, a documentary on Netflix or Prime about the making of Led Zeppelin 4, which I never listened to. I've never listened to a Led Zeppelin record in my life. And wow. they started that's, that's and wild. and it wasn't even about it wasn't even the making of cuz they didn't interview any of the band. It was just critics talking about that album, it, oh, which boy. I I dude, I hate that shit. That's but, the worst. But I kept watching it cuz they kept showing footage of them playing live and playing these songs and they like played the song Black Dog and Rock and Roll and When the Levy Breaks and Stairway to Heaven. They're all on their record. And I'm just like, God damn it. These songs are incredible. I'm like, I got to go listen to this record. So sure enough, after it was done the next day, I get in my car, go to Spotify, put on Led Zeppelin 4, fucking Black Dog comes on, fucking banger. And then Rock and Roll comes on. And like halfway through that song, I'm like, all right, I'm a little tired. I'm a little tired of Led Zeppelin now. I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm, uh, but I guess the reason I'm saying this is because I was like, okay, well, the lyrics aren't that great, but there's something about his performance and there's something yeah. about the band and there's something about the way they put it together yeah. that makes Black Dog or When the Levee Breaks or Stairway to Heaven, but the Stairway to Heaven lyrics actually are pretty good, but there's something about it that, that goes beyond the lyrics. The third song. On Led Zeppelin 4. Battle of Evermore. Is the worst song I've ever heard in my life. And I'm saying the worst song I've ever heard in my life. Let me do my 
That's a pretty good song. Let me do, let me. Battle of Evermore is awesome. All right. I'm going to sing Battle of Evermore from memory, having only heard it once a half a time in my life. Here's okay. the Battle of Evermore. Ah, the fairies are coming in the forest of the Everglades. Oh, don't tell me where I am. I'm in the forest. With the fairies, the lightning, oh, the lightning. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on! <laughs> Bob has gotten up. He's now, what I can only assume, retrieving uh, an instrument of some sort. Yes, he has a man. Oh, here, this is perfect. Yeah, this is. That was that was not as good as it could be. He got a mandolin, so you are about to play Battle of Evermore. All right, here's, sure. the, here's Battle of Evermore. Lightning strikes and the fairies in the forest falling. You got to make it a minor chord. Lightning in the forest and the and the trumpeteer with his golden honeysuckle. Daffodils in the flight. All I hear the sword bend play and the clouds above. The- All right, now fast forward eight minutes. Gliding in the void, glades of the dew of the succulent honeycomb. I mean, this is my exact point. Is like, Jesus it, Christ. And you got to also keep in mind that in the early 70s, people thought the, the the sort of double whammy of Black Dog, which the first lyric is, hey, hey, mama said the way you move, going to make me sweat and make me group. That's stupid blues sex euphemism. And that's what rock and roll is, too. Been a long time since I rock and rolled, right? That's what all that is. When the levee breaks, that's blues. If it keeps on raining, the levee's going to break. But then they do Battle of Evermore or Stairway to Heaven, which is basically just retarded Tolkien. It's basically just No, dumb. that Battle of Evermore is retarded token. The Stairway yeah. to Heaven is a... Dude. It's come you, from the same no, cloth. It's better, no, than, it's better than Battle of no. Evermore, but it's the same. There's a lady who's sure all that glitters is gold and she's buying a Stairway to Heaven. Okay, When fine. she gets there, she knows... In a word, she will get what she came for. Dude, that shit is fucking real, dude. That's it's fucking fine. real shit. It's no, fine. That, it's, it's good. Dude, you can't fuck with that song. That song's a, a perfect song. It's one of the greatest songs of all time. Yeah, it's a perfect but, song. But the lyrics... The Battle of Evermore is retarded Tolkien. <laughs> I know. Uh, now, we've so said horrible. the R word three times now. Uh, are we going to have to bleep that out? We might have to bleep that out. Why? I don't know, because I, I don't want someone to... Come after me and my goddamn family and destroy my fucking life. <laughs> That's why. How about that? Is that a good reason? Uh, can we uh, keep it in so that you can say that? Because that is the truth. <laughs> Jesus Christ. John, John goes on to say, Here's the thing. You. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you can't hear the word retarded without you peeing your little fucking boy pants, we without pee coming out all into your pants, and then you're like, um, you made me pee my pee little boy pants. And I'm not wearing my adult diapers. And my pee is all in my pants and poop, too, maybe. Because <laughs> mm, you said the word. Go GFY. GF fucking Y. God damn it. Grow the fuck up. Dude, we're on a fucking planet spinning through goddamn outer space. We have no fucking idea what we're doing. And you want to fucking nitpick about a fucking word? GFY!
God damn it. <laughs> Just drop that motherfucker into a goddamn mining town 1825 and just watch that dude get his ass fucked <laughs> holy shit really that's the dude that's the fucking retard we gotta cut the word <laughs> retarded out of for fuck that guy jesus oh my christ God. oh man well listen John ends his email by saying, thank you, thank you again for the entertainment. I forgot so, we're still on John's email. Oh, my God. He had to sit through a goddamn the Battle of Evermore plus the Battle of the Retards. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, oh. He says, you certainly have the moves, boys. He right, if I may be so bold. He, he says, right. my apologies for not let, yet joining the Patreon. I'd say I'm a struggling artist, but I'm not much of an artist. He says, oh, and Clint, you have to do a better job of promoting your shit, dude. I just found your quarantine covers. You mentioned them like once in passing. They're fucking fantastic. And everyone should go listen to them right after this episode is done. All the best, guys. Stay healthy. Comic John Powers. Here's the deal, John. Thank you, first of all. I thought those quarantine covers turned out really great. And you're right. Not a lot of people heard them. But all I can do, baby, is mention it on my podcasts, mention it on my socials. And there's what else can I do? There's nothing else I can do. It reminds me of uh, I well, don't know t- if ever- tell them about your you got a is your record still available the the new one of your songs? Yes, yeah. My, not not buy- the not the Lunar Satan one. The the other one, the Clint Wells. You can listen to my album, my debut album of all my own songs that I've been writing songs for myself and other people for like 15 years, and I just now at age 37 put out an album. It's called Vampire. You can literally get it anywhere on the internet it's wherever you get shit so so you can you listen go. to it on spotify app, itunes music amazon youtube Bandcamp. you can buy it from itunes you can fucking can you, do whatever can you, you want can you order the vinyl for me through like a kickstarter no, it's digital only digital only okay i'm thinking about doing a tape and then i might do a vinyl we'll see but dude do a vinyl nobody's got nobody's got a cassette player i have dude i have two walkman right here Okay, well, you're I have like besides 10 cassette you. players in my house. Besides me, oh, yeah. are you going to sell it to yourself? Me. Yeah, and make a, and <laughs> I'll make all the profit. No middleman, <laughs> dude. I sold a thousand tapes to myself. It does, and I made me all the of, money. I made a hundred percent. The good news is I sold them all to myself. The good, better news is I made all the money. There's only one drawback. I'm the only one who heard it. <laughs> I'm the only one who heard it, and I paid for all of it. And idea. I, yeah. <laughs> I did. Did I really it. recoup the expenses? I actually lost a lot more than i thought when you were ever touring i see this all the time you know as a side guy but someone will say like right after you play cincinnati when are you coming to cincinnati my wife my wife just walked in i'm doing my podcast with with clint all right babe i'm almost i'll be done in a bit bye but <sighs> you just you've just played cincinnati and you know there might have been room for a few more people in that crowd and then you get someone saying on Facebook or something, oh, man, you were in Cincinnati, Cincinnati last night? Why didn't you let anyone know? Right. Or someone will say, when you come into Ohio? And you're like, my tour dates are all over my website right. and my Facebook. Right. And we were just there. Why didn't you come? How, do you, how else can you let people know to check your shit out? Right. So it's a tough problem. Tough problem. Well, Laura coming in really fucked your game up, didn't it? 
You're like fucking catatonic, dude. Jesus. I started. Okay. Yeah. No, I was thinking about something else. <laughs> Great. Cool. Well, Hold on. Let me get my, let me get my blood sugar up. Mm, mm. Mm. There we go. Now I'm back. More great podcasting by doing the thing that no one can see. I uh, I had a little soft serve ice cream here that I just keep keep in case I get a little. I don't know. My blood sugar gets a little out of whack, and I just mm, mm, that's good, good stuff. Did you see that? Uh, well, in the further cancellation talk, did you see that um, Amazon changed the app on their phone? Okay, did you see this? No controversy. So Amazon's app icon was like white and it said Amazon with like the the arrow that's like a smiley. Okay? Sure. Yeah, yeah. They changed it without saying anything to a, it looks like a brown box like the Amazon boxes we all get right. every day. Mm-hmm. It's got the the arrow that's like a smiley. Yeah. And then at the top it's like blue packing tape that's like you know like the serrated Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, people said it <laughs> Well, people said it looked like Hitler, and so well, Amazon had to do a quick, some quick fucking scrub a dub, and then they made it just like a square tape. But now everyone's like, "Oh, that looked like Hitler." And so you've got a bunch of left, super left people saying, "Of course it looked like Hitler. Why aren't you should be way more sensitive to that?" And you got a bunch of right people being like, "You guys are fucking insane. It just looked like packing tape. Not everyone sees Hitler and everything." I'm, so. I'm looking at it, and it's definitely homage to Hitler. <laughs> um, obviously, Jeff Bezos loves Hitler and uh, and wanted to do it kind of surreptitiously, and then people called him out, and and good good for them for calling it out because uh, that is definitely a picture of Hitler. Well, no one listening can tell if you're joking or not. The way I know that is because I can't tell if you're joking or not. And mm-hmm, even the so. even the new one. Still pretty close to Hitler. I mean, the old one was 100% Hitler. This is like 95% Hitler, the new one. I'm shocked that they didn't just use a swastika. Why didn't they just use a swastika? It's just like, what's going to happen tomorrow that continues to tease out just this insane divide that we're experiencing in this country? Like, what? Well, here's what's, here's what's, de- here's what's definitely going to happen. That peeing his pants, pooping his diaper guy is going to keep doing his little thing. Here's what that guy's not, here's what that dude is not doing. He's not creating anything. He's not making anything that's funny or interesting at all. The people that are making funny, interesting, deep, provocative shit are people who are kind of fucked up, who have a lot of problems, who don't know how to be human beings. That's why they make art. Well, I would say I would add to that. I agree with you. And they're also busy they're, because here's the other thing. Here's what here's what the Internet and TikTok and like American Idol make people think. They make people think that it's real easy to make things. It is not easy to make shit, let alone good shit. So if you're making good shit, you're not spending your day getting involved in these fucking culture wars of shit. You're like making stuff. And trying to figure out how to put it out. And you're like scrutinizing over it. Sarah Silverman had this great thing that came out. She does a podcast, but she puts out these little like two minute videos, kind of stuff that you and I have been talking about trying to do. But she was talking about comedy. Imagine that, Sarah Silverman. And she was like, you know, I just did some shows with these younger, white, straight male comics. And she's like, they were talking about how hard it is to be a white comic right now because just of this culture shit. Like, 
They're like, you know, if you're a com, if you're a chick or you're gay or you're of color or if you're some sort of one of these fringes of society that's now being sort of championed as victims and heroes. He's like, if you're like a straight white male, there's almost this sort of built in hatred for you now. He's telling Sarah Silverman this. Oh, my God. Who had to come up through comedy as a Jewish chick. Oh, my God. In a world where it's just so she's but she's very her, which I love her. I don't know how you feel about her, but she's like, you know. I get it. You're upset. You're scared. She's like, but kind of, she's like, she's basically saying like, why don't you just be undeniable? Because that's what everyone else had to do. Yeah. Just be why so don't she great. Just, why don't you just shut the fuck up and be funny or well, just yeah, shut she, the fuck yeah. up? She's like, you know, she's like a lot of, a lot of white guys are famous. A lot of chicks got famous. A lot of uh, people broke through because they were kind of fucking undeniable. She's like, so I'm sorry. You can't just skate by being mediocre in, anymore. Right. Because most famous comedians were white guys. Right. She's like, now you have to just pull your pants up and be fucking undeniably great. Yeah. I thought that was just the most killer fucking take on that ever. And so true. The other thing you can't do now is like, you can't like, dude, I was, I've been watching uh, Saturday Night Live from the nineties, which you can't get, you can't get it anywhere. So I got a friend who had it on like video or DVD. And so he uploaded it for me and I've been watching okay. it. And the thing that they used to do, like they would do all this hack need comedy. Like you just do, <laughs> and people are going to be like, hmm, don't you guys do that? They, they would just do accents. Like Dana Carvey had an, he had a, had a guy where he was just doing like a Chinese accent. Like he, he owned like a Chinese mm -hmm. uh, pet shop. And the whole joke was that him just doing an accent. So you can't do that anymore. You can't just, right. you can't, you can't, uh, do this sort of like tired ass dick racist joke stuff that you could do back in the day you have to end you have all the comedy that's been made over the last 40 years so you can't do any of that so yeah it's tough comedy is the hardest thing there is to do it's the hardest thing period writing a song yeah it is uh making a movie GFY, get in front of get in front of people and try to make them laugh. Well, and and also to your exact point, I agree with you. When you are in the presence of it, like when you're at the comedy cellar with just 200 people and you watch someone who you've never heard of crush a room, the power of that is very like to see Jerry Seinfeld crush a, an arena is like okay, well he's Jerry Seinfeld, but I've I've been to both the comedy store in L.A and the seller on off nights, amateur nights, but these are just comics who live and breathe that world, get up and crush like George Carlin crush. And there's so much power in that because- How about how about watching those guys get up and not crush? You won't see it that often, not in New York or LA. They, the, you talk about weeding out the weak, dude. If you're not good, you do not work. You hardly work if you're great. I'm telling you, dude, we saw a Monday night at the store, which I was, we were trying to get in because they always sell out because tourism and shit. And I was talking to some of the comics outside on the patio, waiting for the doors open. And these were comics who don't know if they got a slot that night until the doors open. This is on a Monday night and they're fucking exhausted. And they're like, I just hope I fucking get a chance to do my goddamn routine tonight in front of people. Bitter, all that. And one of the chicks I talked to did get on. And I was like, man, just talking to her out there seemed real hacky. Like, she's trying to get on. And 
a Monday night amateur night, dude, her set was as good as anything. Wow. We only saw we only saw one person bomb that entire night, and we stayed for both uh, hours or both blocks, which were two hours each. We were there for four hours, and it's just that's what you get when you really live in Los Angeles and you really want to be a comic, right? There was no shit, dude. It wasn't like an open mic at your fucking uh, coffee house, dude. Well, I went I went to see some stand-up comedy at Sam's Burger Bar in San Antonio. And man, there was That's where you'll see some bad shit. Yeah. So bad. And it just made me realize, whoa, this is no joke. Like comedy yeah. is no fucking joke, dude. Like it's and isn't that it's, ironic. But well, here's the thing. Like, if you're like if if you're me and you're a singer, you I can get on stage and I can happen to be funny. But if I say something that's not funny, I just play a song. You know? And I'll I'll say enough funny stuff to where people will be like, yeah, that was, he was pretty funny. But dude, if you're standing in front of people and you say something and it's not funny and you got to just keep going until you say something funny. And then it's just the dudes that you see like on Netflix, like, like for instance, Louis CK's last special, which you were like, yeah, I think I'm done. Dude, 999 comics out of a thousand if they could ever put together a show as good yeah, yeah. as that louis ck show that you saw that you're like i'm done with this guy yeah they would be happy well but, but he because he you end up and all artists have to do this you end up being judged by your best work and that's fine i don't judge louis ck by the guy at the open mic that's not how it works you he gets judged now by his best work that's what all the greats had to do the beatles are always going to be judged by abbey road it would make no sense to compare some shitty 80s Paul McCartney record to some shitty nobody 80s pop record. So that's fine. And all great comics did bomb. You have to bomb to learn. Sure. But, uh, you know, comics hate it when funny people, you and I are funny people, you know, and thank God. But we're not comics. And a great comic, what they do is they make you think that it's as easy as being a funny guy or a funny girl. The, The fucking class clown or whatever it is. Because I'm the funny guy in my friend groups. I'm the guy that's always making fucking jokes. And I have some friends who are like that too. Does that mean we can go up and do even five minutes of actual written comedy? No. Well, here here's the difference. Hell no. Here's the difference. You and me are both creative. And if we sat sat here, which is kind of what we're doing, if we were if if instead of this podcast we were actually making music, it'd be like me sitting here doing this. <clears throat> I'm writing songs for an hour and every once in a while I might take a golden shower, whatever, you know, you're just making shit rhyme and then occasionally you'll say something good. But that's what getting up on stage and trying to do comedy is like, unless you've fucking taken the time to craft something that you've written out and figured out this is funny and then get up on stage and then do it over and over again, which is what we do when you write a song. Exactly. The, the, the huge difference is when you write a shitty song, you can kind of pass it off because no, there's no like you can kind of you can you can do 12 songs and have two of them be really good and the rest of them be kind of shitty. And then people will still go, yeah, he was great. He could sing really well, but nobody's going to go see a comic and and for 45 minutes and five minutes they laugh. And for 40 minutes, they didn't laugh and go, well, he had a good speaking voice. They'll be like, they will take that dude out in the street, strip him naked and murder him. But any real comic, they make it seem like they're just talking funny 
But they wrote all of that. I and know. not only did they write it down on paper, they rehearsed it and got all the timing right. And they've said it a thousand times. And then they did it in front of people and clocked where it worked and where it didn't. Just like we, you know, uh, Glenn Fry tells that great story about before the Eagles happened, he was living in an apartment in LA, slumming it, but his upstairs neighbor was fucking Jackson Brown. And he's like, I learned how to write songs just by living under him because here's what I would hear all day. Him playing the piano and singing the first verse over and over and over, which can sometimes be what it's like to write a song. You're turning over this verse and you may work on it for fucking 45 minutes just to change two words that you crack the code on how it phrases differently. Right. Or an image that changes. And he was like, I would just sit there and listen to him playing piano, the same thing. Then it would stop and he would make a cup of tea or he'd go have a smoke. Then he'd come back and play it all again, all again. And that's what comedians do. That's what the great ones do. Right. They chisel up, they chisel their material down. All right, we this has been long. We gotta go. The point is be uh undeniable the way we are on I in the IOK flavor. And if you want to support the show, because you agree it's undeniable, you can do that at patreon.com slash the letters IOK. We have other podcasts called The Song Club and Metal Up Your Podcast. You can write in bobmclint at gmail.com. We're going to go now in the Secret Weekly, which is one of the many benefits you get. We're over 100 Secret Weeklies now uh, in the old Patreon train. Here's what we do in the Secret Weekly. All this shit that we get canceled over talking in this podcast, which you're like, wait, you guys talk about everything. What are you talking about? There's nothing you guys don't talk about. Oh, yeah, there is. Come on over to the Secret Weekly, boy. But by the way... You might want to slip on some adult diapers. Unless you want to poo-poo and pee-pee in your little boy pants. You motherfucker. (laughs) All right, let's get the fuck out of here. Bye. (laughs) 